Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today, 2020 survivor, my mom. Hey, yeah, we're through 2020 <laughs> and into 2021, which is shaping up to be a marvelous year. Oh, yeah. So we're recording this on um, the 9th of January. We had kind of an interesting week here. But we're not talking about that interesting week that we just had. We're not. No. We're going to talk about something that actually got released. Um, well, we're going to start a discussion, and we're going to eventually talk about Wonder Woman 1984. Which, which, I, which, which I was told by somebody is absolutely awful. Well, when we get to next week's episode, we we'll can, pre- we can, okay. we can preface what happened. I haven't happened. seen it. I haven't seen it. I, I have seen it. But I will, I will keep my discussions for that until next week. Because I like it's, Gal Gadot. I like Gal Gadot too. I I don't know if she's a gr- good actress or not because this is really the only role I've ever seen her in. Oh, okay. But I mean, like, she looks a little. She looks and acts the part pretty well. So I mean, mm-hmm. like, maybe again, there's there's she's not th- Linda Carter. I don't know if there's a lot of people who can be, but I mean, like, Linda Carter wasn't also going to be that physical. Yeah. I mean, this also goes back yeah. to the, this. Also, I mean, if you want to go way back in time. To Harry Potter, I thought the first guy who played um, um, Dumbledore was like the best old guy you could have gone for that. Yeah. But considering how old he was, that he was going to have to last for like ten years to get to the end. Yeah. You know that. That probably wasn't going to happen. He he probably wasn't going to he, he and he unfortunately he did die mm-hmm. past the after you know he he stopped doing the part after the second movie and then died a, a year or two later. Yeah. But I mean like you know but like. The replacement was pretty good. Well, yeah, no, the replacement—it's not jarring. It's not—it's not immediately jarring, um, but I mean, like, the, you know, but if they had that that actor there the entire time, I think it would have made much more. I think it would have been a lot more of a through line. But I mean, like, well, I mean, maybe we can get this into this later, but but um, you know, when Linda Carter was was Wonder Woman, the idea of what uh, womanly beauty was, what what fitness was, all those things were very different. Mm-hmm. than they are now and it shows in the difference between the two yeah so this is actually an episode where i'm going to lean on you a little bit for some knowledge here oh okay because it because again like as much as i've grown up around wonder woman and seen it and had it in my periphery i am a very much a heterosexual male male individual i don't have the same connection to wonder woman as a lot of women do oh. who have a far more different appreciation and uh, conceptualization of this character, not only in their society, but in their as a cultural sort of thing here. So, at a certain point here, I'm going to have to rely on you for some of this. Well, I'll give you I'll give you some immediate insight, and mm-hmm. that's that on the AIDS ride, mm-hmm. um, which is like forty percent female, sixty percent male, um, probably about thirty uh, percent straight, seventy percent gay. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting mix. Um, Wonder Woman is one of the most worn jerseys. You'll occasionally see guys in Green Lantern, um, and you'll you'll occasionally see Superman jerseys. You, and do you know why Green Lantern though? No. So there is so um, there is a Green Lantern character which is gay. Oh, good it's, insight. The problem though is that it's not the one everyone thinks it is. It's a completely different Green Lantern that, like, kind of is tangentially the Green Lantern, but not really the Green Lantern. But 
a lot of people end up, you know, confusing it for the Green Lantern, and that's where a lot of the, a lot of that come would come from, I imagine. So, if you see a lot of Green okay. Lantern stuff, that's probably where that's, that's where coming, it's coming from. from. Because on Red Dress Day, you'll occasionally see uh, flash lightning. Yes, you know there there has been depictions of some flashes that are also gay. Okay. So. Yeah. So. But Wonder Woman is the the superhero you see the most mm-hmm. on the ride, and there's there's 2,300 riders, and um, and I have to tell you, I'm both men and women. Yep. So just putting that out there. Well, I mean, it's, it, we'll get to this. I think when we get to the costume here, but I mean, okay. like Wonder Woman is very much of the um, is the phrase as I've heard it said before is the male gaze. It's definitely a character that's very much the proportion of like, ah, men would like this. Oh yes, which is why it surprised me to hear you say that, um, because I always figured that Wonder Woman was really designed for men. Yeah, but, she's kind of Barbie doll esque. Well, and, and so, yeah. so let's actually talk about the creator of uh, Wonder Woman because this guy is a trip. Okay. So um, the creator, so Wonder Woman came out in 1941. Originally designed by a gentleman named William Mort- Marlton Marston. I'm just going to refer to him as Marston. Um, okay. He's, um, this is a this is a weird guy, in an interesting way. He's a uh, he's a Harvard PhD psychologist, who's also the same guy, um, along with his wife Elizabeth Marston, created the lie detector. Oh, cool! Wow, that's so so that that's a really it, it, I would think disparate. Um, skill set. Well, what's interesting here is that his wife is actually also was also an academic. She's the one who noticed that when her and then when she got angry or when she got flu- when she got angry or flustered, that her blood would rise, that her blood pressure would rise. And so, over the course of a couple of years, Marston did research on that, and eventually, uh, that's where they came up with the polygraph and the lie detector, essentially. Interesting. So, um, but he's also. Um, uh, let's see here. He's also he was also really big into gender studies as well. At one point, he was studying all female communities and studying their rituals and behaviors, by which he was studying sororities, sorority sisters, and trying to logic and understand their their rituals and how they interacted with each other. Well, I mean, on their I, own. I so I so understand that at at the time he would have been doing this. Mm-hmm. I assume we're talking 30s, 40s? Yes. Okay. So at the time he would have been doing this, sororities were the safe place. Dorms were segregated by, mm-hmm. by gender. Yes. And sororities were the safe place for women to, you know, it was a, literally a woman's house. Yes. And it's a safe place for women to live. So when you had sororities, it's, sororities are actually where they first discovered that um, if they live together, women's periods will come into sync. Mm-hmm. Not... The only reason I know that is from Married with Children, and it's an episode. That, <laughs> okay, it's an episode that's actually like not in common circulation because of that. Oh, because that was something that got brought up. Well, but as but, a part of the episode, but no, yeah, yeah, it's it's you know in in and uh, roommates who female roommates who are good friends mm-hmm. who live together will also um, eventually if they're not on, if they're not on the pill, which she, which regulates your your cycle mm-hmm. um will come into sync as well so it, it's an interesting thing but sororities in that time period would have been a very interesting place to to study women 
Because because women who went to college at that time were either very privileged or very progressive, or yeah. both. Well, it is actually one of these things here where Marston was very much of the belief that women were actually the superior sex. They are. And I, I don't disagree with that. They just are. I gave that I gave that speech in high school and won with it, my senior year all the way to um, mm -hmm. the, the state tournament. No, no, yeah, no. It, what he rationalized at the end of the day here was that women were not only the superior sexes, that they would be dominant if it weren't for the fact that they were burdened with having to raise and rear, to rear and raise children, mm -hmm. and that they had all this housework to do. <laughs> and times have changed. Well, he, he was, he was progressive, not enlightened, let's put it that way. Well, no, at the time that would have been the norm. And again, that would have been my, the norm. And again, that would have been the norm. My grandmother had, had a, a degree in chemistry, was a, a pharmacist, and, um, and left all of the, I mean, fought to get an education in, in, uh, 1919. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then quit working when she had children. Yeah. And never went back to back mm -hmm. to work, except during World War Two. She she during World War Two worked at a naval base, um, a naval hospital actually. Mm -hmm. And and he ra he rationalized that with the way technology was, eventually it would get to the point where housework would get easier and child rearing would get easier. That women would be able to get educated. They would be able to t to amass power and wealth and eventually take their rightful spots as you know, the superior gender and leader of the leaders of the world here. And that's not untrue in a lot of cases when you look around the world where you've got a lot of uh, female leaders. I think the most... Merkel, Merkel Mary, Margaret Thatcher, mm -hmm. Golda Meir. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of those... We're, we're, we're actually one of the slower countries to adopt mm -hmm. that. Yeah. In that we've never had a female leader. Um, we're, we've gotten pretty... We're getting a little closer... Yeah, but even some very conservative countries have had, yeah, had female leaders. Very, very true. Yeah. Um, Indira, Indira Gandhi. I mean, yeah. So, um, another very interesting fact, fact which often gets left out um, about Marston um, and his wife, is that there was a third person as well. Okay. So they had, they had a consenting, poly polyamorous life with another woman named. Olive Byrne. So they're menage a toilet. Yes. Yes. Okay. And they had, you know, Marston had children, not only with Elizabeth, but also with Olive as well. And they lived this, you know, lifestyle where all three of them were together. And again, for the 19, for the 1930s, you know, and 40s, like, That's pretty you're pretty, pretty amazing at the end of the day. But depending you're, on where you're living, because our um, our guide in Uganda, we just got back from Uganda, mm -hmm. our guide in Uganda's father, he, he, he is one of 23 children. His father had nine wives. But again, I mean, for 19, 1930s and 40s America, it's pretty, it's, pretty yeah. bizarre and pretty, yeah, pretty very unique. bizarre. No, I mean, and in uh, America, not not Britain. Britain. No, no, in America, because um, his name sounded British. It, it does a little, I suppose. Um, but he's also um, he's also very much. He thought that comics were this great educational potential for um, for for children here at the end of the day that you could shape and mold the minds of children through comics because you had this great educational platform. Yeah. Uh, there's a great quote here when he um, 
when he made that point of saying that he actually got hired um, by a company called All American Publications um, as an educational consultant on comics. Um, this is also the same company that got merged with another that would eventually become DC Comics, which is where Wonder Woman lives to this day, as far as publication goes. Okay. Um, at one point here, uh, when in the process of... They, he was tasked with the idea of, like, well, will you, will you make a superhero? And his wife, Elizabeth, was the one who said you should make a female superhero because he wanted to make a, a hero that <coughs> fought for peace and love and wasn't necessarily always physical but was always, you know, striving to be the perfect thing. And then Elizabeth was like, that sounds wonderful and awesome. Why don't you just make it a girl, though? Um, and at one point here, his quote that he has here about women, about um, when he was consciously making this this character, was not even girls want to be girls so long as our femininity, feminine archetypes lack force, strength, and power. Not wanting to be girls, they don't want to be tender, submissive, peace-loving as good women are. Women strong women's strong qualities have become despised because of their weaknesses. The obvious remedy to create a feminine character with all the strengths of Superman plus all the allure of good and beautiful women. And this actually goes on to what is kind of a somewhat popular and not necessarily correct trope in mass, in, in all of mass media, that heroes have a large amount of qualities of masculine They're qualities. They're testosterone-filled? No, 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 no. Not necessarily testosterone-filled, but heroes tend to have more masculine traits as where bad guys tend to have more female feminine traits and where you can see this kind of in a lot of cases um was with um um oh now i forget the movie here um not to kill a mockingbird but like it's a mockingbird is a uh, is a thing in here hunger games oh so in hunger games yeah. that is an example the main hero <clears throat> like cat katniss everdeen yeah why I remember that name i can't answer it to you but um, is very much a masculine character at the end of the day. I mean, like, she might dress up to be pretty, but a lot of her stuff is very rugged, tough. Yeah. You could very swap her, very easily swap her out for a male character and not have to change a whole lot about the character at the end of the day because it has a lot of very masculine qualities versus the bad guys, all the rich people are all these, you know fashion-obsessed, preening, look how beautiful I look, self-obsessed. A lot of what, what we might consider nowadays to be rather feminine qualities, and that tends to happen in a lot of uh, movies, TV shows, and media where, again, heroic, in, heroic good guys tend to have a lot more masculine qualities versus uh, bad guys um, or even just psychics have a lot more feminine you know, submissive qualities in them at the end of the day. Well, what's what's interesting hearing you say that is that that um, I think back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, mm -hmm. um, you wanted to be a man's man. Yeah. And and there were definitely stereotypes. I mean, right right down to my father. My father would would say, "Oh, eat that. It'll put hair on your chest." Mm -hmm. um, that that the whole idea was being a guy's guy. And nowadays, it's more embrace your feminine side, acknowledge that all men have a feminine side, mm -hmm. um, that the ideal man is is more balanced and compassionate and, and those more feminine qualities. Yeah. Empathetic and compassionate and... and uh, 
caring, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah, because because now we because now we, we take a lot of those but, masculine clients. We think you know like you know oh that's a testosterone filled asshole. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's interesting that for the most part, you're right. Nobody's nobody's looking at Tony Stark's feminine side. Um, so so you for the most part, I think you're right. Superheroes are still. It's what makes Doctor Strange love interesting. Well, if we if we want to go back to like a Marvel example of this, we look at Thor in the first movie. Like Thor's like a man's man. Looking oh, Thor shit. and Ragnarok is, is a man's man. Yeah, but then but then you look at Loki. You see Loki, and he's kind of like sniveling, weak, preening. Look how look how good I look. Look at you know, watch me. You very know, narcissistic. Narcissistic. Very yeah, like it's and not in the, and they're not solely feminine traits at the end of the day. But you can see where. A lot of that would be, you know, what but, but 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 realize that some of the some of the the uh, qualities of Loki really come from from um, almost biblical descriptions of what happens when when Satan, um, who is God's favorite angel, um, when when Satan um, tries to eclipse God mm-hmm. and um, says, "I'm I'm just as good as you," yeah, which is which is the, the fall of man, whatever the fall of Satan, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I always figure Loki is sort of the the earthly envisionment, well, the semi-earthly envisionment of that. Mm-hmm. No, and, and, and even in certain Norse gods sort of lore, like, he's meant to be the guy that brings around brings around, around Ragnarok at certain points here to the destruction of, um, the destruction of everything at, some, at a certain point yeah. here. Yeah. So, I mean, like... But again, I thought. I mean, but again, I mean, like, what? It's always Wonder Woman, and a lot of female superheroes tend to have a lot more masculine qualities than necessarily feminine. And I find that super interesting because, again, like when Marston was creating uh, Wonder Woman here, he was very conscious of what he was doing when he was creating her. But so, so, and I'm going to take this to the other extreme, and that's mm-hmm. that the, um, female villains. Mm-hmm. Are the worst of the female qualities in the in the in that they're usually seductive. Yes. And they use their seductive lures to entrap. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's no, an interesting. No, 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 not wrong on that on any particular level. Because Absolutely. Wonder Wonder Woman, I don't think uses. It's interesting that you say seduction because there's an interesting kind of parallel with a lot of her villains at the end of the day, um, which has to do with like mind control. So it's oh. just kind of interesting actually when when I was doing the research for this. Um, it's actually pretty interesting that a lot of Wonder Woman's villains actually are, in some, in a lot of cases, are not just uh, brawny sort of individuals. A lot of them are doctors, scientists, archaeologists, you know, of some quality of academics, of academics at the end of the day. People who are brilliant. People who are smart and, and intelligent, and yet um, villains at the end of the day. So, I mean, and we'll talk about that when we, when we get to our villains here. Um but no, yeah, no. Marston, um, kind of a cool cat for for what he was doing back in the in the in the nineteen well, thirties and forties. And and what's interesting is I I had always envisioned that that um, somehow Wonder Woman was created as sort of a sexual object for men who wanted to see a strong woman. Um, but but because she's very sexualized, 
and um, and all. And I never, I never dreamed that she was created actually to empower women and, and empower girls to see themselves and their future differently. So I, I'm really impressed by that. Well, you know, and, and now keep in mind that Marston's the one who came up with the character and wrote for the character during the early during um, up until 1947 when he unfortunately passed away of cancer. Uh-huh. But it was a guy named H.G. Peter who actually drew the character for the comic books. And so I imagine a lot of, um, you know, Marston also was really a big proponent of, like, beauty is strength at the end of the day as well. You know, yeah. that you could have this beautiful person at the end of the day that was equally just as strong, um, which is, a, you know, and his design for the original costume, which is the red strapless top and, you know, originally what was originally a blue skirt with stars on it yeah because she was in america she was supposed to be like the analog captain america i always i always yes it's kind of spent because it came out the same year actually yeah so i always figured that that was kind of uh there's supposed to be analogs for that yeah Yeah. um she was meant to actually copy superman being the all-american all-american you know all-american kind of thing here when superman wasn't necessarily that just yet at all um so i mean Within some reason. So, I mean, like, we could talk about a little bit about the comics history here before we talk about the character herself. Um, okay. So, Wonder Woman um, debuted in 1941 in All-Star Comics number 8. And since 1942, she has been had her own solo comic book series um, up, up till today, even. I mean, like, she's had its run continuously. Uh, there was a short break in 1985 um, for a few months, but... Um, but she's been in continuous sort of circulation in public in monthly publication in her comic books for literally you know almost uh, eighty years now. Yeah, I'm looking at an article that that talks about seventy five years of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we get to um, so again, uh, Marston continued to write for uh, Wonder Woman until 1941. Um, a lot of his stories were. Uh, especially with Marston, we're pushing a very much a uh, feminist agenda in a lot of cases, a lot of empowerment, uh, what we would consider today a radical progressive women agenda, um, which is not unusual considering that you had a lot of the suffragette and stuff kind of happening yeah. in during that time as well. Um, Marston, however, was also a little weird in his writings as well. Um, a, a, a key example of this was that... Um, uh, like at one point here, one of Wonder Woman's uh, weaknesses was is that if she was um, chained up or ensnared by a man, that she would lose all of her powers. And there's a big thing with like bondage at a certain point in Marston's original comics, um, where like Wonder Woman would get tied up in either chains or stuff like that. I mean, Marston himself thought that uh, bondage when done correctly, was a safe uh, thing to practice with other people. So, I mean, like, again, weird guy. Well, okay, how does that work into the lasso of truth? It, and, it, well, again, keep in mind, I mean, like, the lasso of truth is kind of where that a lot of that comes from. You know, if you create the lie detector, I mean, like, the truth that, a lasso that embows well, no, in pure truth. When, when you said lie detector, I'm thinking, okay, so one of her key things is the lasso of truth. Mm-hmm. So, um, after that point, however, once, uh, once Marston unfortunately passed away, um, a lot of the kind of semi-radical feminization 
feminist sort of agenda was eventually sort of toned down. Some of the more kinkier stuff that would have been... Um, Kinky. A, I don't know a better way to describe it. Okay. Um, you know, so again, one no, room started getting it. toned down a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what ended up happening here is that... Um, by the 1960s, they started rewriting her character a little bit um, as far as the origin story and started adding a lot more of the Greek mythology sort of elements on there. Cause we think Women of, of Amazon. Yeah, because we think of a lot of that, um, you know, as being uh, originally a part of Wonder Woman, and it wasn't until later, you know, nearly two decades later that a lot of that started getting mixed in with sort of the Greek god pantheon. Actually, my favorite part of, of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Was was that that whole? Oh, you'll you'll love her origin story then, because she's got a couple of them. Oh, okay. It's, it's actually been a real um, issue with the comics is that a Wonder Woman had um, Wonder Woman's um, technically supposed to be a golem. Oh, really? Yeah, but, but I, I'll explain a little bit more when we get to her origin because it keeps changing based off of who's in charge of the writing and as well as. Um, we have where, to talk- where's, where's, where's Superman's always from Kryptonite? Yeah, and that's inter- and again, it's super interesting. It's like Superman and Batman stories, despite the retcons and the way the universe has been changed over the many courses of years of, of different events, has been consistent where Batman is Batman because... He's, he's an orphan. Because he's an orphan because his parents got shot because of crime in Gotham. And, you know, Superman is Superman because he came from from a dying planet of Krypton landed in Kansas and became an all-American boy, and thus he's a good guy. Yeah. Thus Superman. Yeah. Wonder Woman's kind of history bounces back and forth. By the forth. way, I want to tie that to the to the Bible again. It, it, to me, it's it's the... Uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah. It's it's the hospitality um, story of, of uh, Abraham. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, again, Superman created by two Jewish guys. Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... Um, so by the 1960s, again, they change up her uh, story a little bit. Um, at one point here, by the end of the 60s, they actually depowered Wonder Woman. So at a certain point here, Wonder Woman was only Wonder Woman in name. She didn't have the lasso of truth or any of her powers or even the iconic costume anymore. Um, because the Amazon, the Amazon, the Amazons apparently went to a pocket dimension or world in which uh, they would be. They felt they would be safe there. And she had to give up her powers in order to stay with the world of man. Um, and so she ended up getting uh, schooled in martial arts, weapons, combat. Um, and a lot of her stories started... She ended up opening a, a boutique. And a lot of her stories ended up uh, cycling around um, espionage and martial arts, martial arts, these sort of stuff. Which was also very popular in the late 60s early 70s, 70s as yeah, well as yeah for, and Bruce Bruce Lee you know yeah. we also you get a lot of that also in Marvel where you had a couple a lot of characters um, like Luke Cage and um, uh, another guy that, that hit stuff with his fist really well like a lot more martial artsy sort of characters yeah. getting out there um, it wasn't until actually the night it wasn't until Linda Carter in the 1970s 1974 uh, version of Wonder Woman that they actually, you know, repowered, you know, Wonder Woman into being her, her the classic form that we know yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so we can thank, you know, and we can also thank the show for kind of like 
stabilizing Wonder Woman's wardrobe because for for a long time, um, Wonder Woman's outfit eventually moved from like the stars and stripes uh, or the the stars skirt and eventually moved into uh, briefs and eventually started getting high, I guess high cut briefs. I, I mean. No, I don't know. Well, the best. I'm, I'm so I'm looking at I'm looking at Linda Carter. Those are not real high cut. I guess they're they're briefs. They're, they're definitely briefs with stars on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but later in incarnations, the the briefs get higher and higher, you know, to like Playboy Bunny esque sort of uh, levels. I think. Well, but, I mean, here's an early early uh, Wonder Woman, and they're very definitely uh, granny panties. Mm-hmm. I mean, de- depending on depending on the comics in the early in the for, in the late forties, fifties, and sixties, like they were um, like spats almost, or, or or shorts, or boy shorts in some cases. Well, yes, know? okay. So I'm looking, I'm looking at at uh, like various Wonder Woman throughout the universe. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at one that shows shows like a literally ten different Wonder Women uh, over time, and it starts out as sort of a slightly gathered star skirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then goes to a straighter skirt, 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 and then we get panties. And then and then we go back to with with Gal Gadot again, a skirt. Yeah, so Jim, almost almost a Romanesque looking skirt. Well in, in the Jim Lee sort like of like Centurion. Yeah, or, or Gladiator. Yeah. So in the nineteen um, so in two thousand sixteen when they did another revamp of the character, because God yeah. knows we can't have enough of those. Um, Jim Lee uh, redid the character um, and in the process, kind of envisioned kind of a Romanesque gladiator, gladiator sort of thing, which has been kind of the most prevalent version that we've known since, as far as the yeah. the character goes. Um, but going back to our own history here, at one point in 1985, they were going to get rid of Wonder Woman. Oh, why? Because they're public. Because they're pub- so. This is the time period you said that they they that there, there she was, wasn't written for several months. There was okay. there, there wasn't written for a couple months. Um, they were actually thinking of getting rid of Wonder Woman because her comic her comics were not doing very well at the time. Okay. Um, but she had lost quite a bit of popularity um, after a big event, which is called a crisis, which uh, was Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I actually want to explain a little bit of DC because we really haven't got into a lot of DC okay. comics when we, especially when we talked about like Batman, we really didn't go into so it. the Marvel universe and the DC universe. So there's the Marvel universe and the DC universe, and um, some of the things that happen in there when they have big sort of like publication-wide changes, they do it in what they call um, these, what we call crisis events. Okay. Um, and it's usually in the sense to do uh, one of three different things, either radically change certain characters and get rid of some characters, um, either change up the way the universe kind of works on a certain level or to explain kind of how something works on a universal level here in some cases. So um, the first one, which was... Uh, one of the things you have to know about... Um, so um, one of the things you kind of have to know about DC Comics is there is the multiverse. Right. And so um, what had happened was is that very early publications of uh, in the 1940s included characters like Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman... The Flash, Green Lanterns, and other incarnations yeah. of this, but later comics reimagine reuse these characters and had new versions of them. So, as an example, if you remember, um, the Flash 
uh, he kind of looks a lot. Uh, there's some versions where he looks very much like Hermes at the end of the day, right? With kind of the silver hat and wings on his head. Yeah. And then there's more the more classic version where we know him as the giant red jumpsuit at the end of the day. Right. Um, there was a version of Green Lantern where he actually held a Green Lantern, didn't necessarily have the ring, but was in like an all red and black suit with a little green emblem, Green Lantern emblem on his chest. Later revisioned as like this green sort of martial cop sort of figure yeah. in later versions. What they decided to do Ryan there, Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, and the way DC decided to rationalize. Well, wait a second. How does Wonder Woman interact with this Flash, but also interacted with that Flash as well? And they said, "Oh, well, that was a multiverse, and it's yeah. not unsimilar to where um, Marvel has kind of a similar multiverse sort of thing happening as all." Well. As well, it's just that even Batman sort of has a multiverse. Oh no, and yeah, Batman has the largest multiverse of all. There's so many different incarnations of Batman that like it boggles the mind sometimes when you think about it. But um, but for DC's purposes here, they said there was a Earth one, which is kind of the main continuity of everything that's happening, and then there was an Earth two where all these older sort of older Superman, Batman characters existed. Um, as well as some other characters as well, and that the two of them didn't initially really interact a lot with each other, but it was kind of the way that they explained it. Yeah. Well, Crisis of Infinite Earths basically decided, you know what, let's not have the multiverse anymore. Let's just have one continuity, and we're going to make it, we're going to simplify everything to say this is the one continuity. And so um, over the course of a couple months and all these books all kind of going over the same thing at once, they basically um, blew up the universe, kind of blew up the multiverse, and everything got consolidated into one singular reality. So no more multiverse. Everything got brought down to a single element here. But uh, the multiple multiple universes still have to exist in some sort of past because they. Nope. Did- oh, okay. Not 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 according to DC. Uh, although the. Um, Superman and Lois Lane of Earth 2, the Superboy Prime, and then also uh, Alexander Luthor, which is kind of the son of Lex Luthor from Earth 3, all moved in kind of to a pocket dimension where they could oversee everything and watch everything. (laughs) I know, it's weird. Um, You can justify anything. But one of the weird kind of interesting fallouts of the initial um, Infinite Crisis was that... um, uh, uh, Supergirl died, which is how you knew the stakes were real. Um, Hal Jordan's um, Hal Jordan, who was the Green Lantern at the time, his city got destroyed, and he started going a little crazy, uh, which led us to the next big crisis event, which was uh, Zero Hour Crisis in Time in 1994. Um, this is where Hal Jordan became a bad guy called Parallax by basically stealing all murdering and stealing all the other green lantern rings in an effort to change time to go back to a time in which his um um his city existed and he could go back um in time again um and fix everything in, into the world that he wanted it to be um he was defeated by the earth superheroes but um as a result here Really, what Zero Hour was really meant to do was to actually fix Crisis on Infinite Earths because they had merged all these realities together but didn't really explain the timeline of when events happened at all. 
So zero hour not only was meant to fix their errors from nineteen from nineteen eighty five, nearly a decade later, it was meant to be like, okay, this is the time frame in which everything happened now. These events happened here, these events happened here, and then these events happened here. And so it's really not... To fix everything. To, to kind of fix the way the timeline works. So they, basically at the end of the day, they kind so of... What, what, so, so, so what happens five years from now when they decide to change it all again? Oh, they, oh, they do that a couple times here. Okay. Um, just, just, just ask. Oh, no, yeah, no. It's, it's been one of these ongoing things where a lot of the uh, DC fans are not happy with how... Why with how DC keeps reconfiguring their continuity um, because they keep making it trying to make it as topical and, uh, and, well, see, and timely as possible. So I mean, like, and again, like in Zero Hour, the intent was to say everything happened, all these major events that happened happened just within the last ten years. Versus in Marvel continuity, you know, when they have events that are happening, they're typically avoiding tying them to actual timelines or stuff. But they always used to say like, "Oh, when did it happen? A couple of years ago." You know, when well, how do you explain Winter Soldier? A couple of years ago, when did when did again? So, as an example, here we think of Captain America. Okay, as the being, collection of the Infinity Stones. A couple of years ago, but but they go back like thirty years, forty years to collect the, the, some of the Infinity Stones. In, in the movies, yes. In the comic books, okay. In the comic books, they've always kind of said, you know, the the logic has always been like, oh, when did Captain America get unfrozen? A couple of years ago. Okay. You know, well, I mean, he, I mean, at the end of the day, really, the thing is that you need to make your your comic book heroes recognizable and still keep them um, relevant to the time to the current time period. Oh no, and and, 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 so, and so this this process is really necessary. It's it's kind of necessary, but it's kind of not because again, I mean, like in in, Mar- in Marvel's in Marvel's case here, like. They don't necessarily tie. I mean, they always keep the the they keep the story kind of whenever the story is happening. So if it's happening in 2010, it's kind of happening in a similar time frame that is 2010 as far as technology, society, things like that. You know, like and is and again, so it's ex- true to the time. Period. It's true to the time period. Again, like as an example here, like Iron Man, you know, is based off primarily off of the Vietnam War. They've kind of changed it a little bit to be more like the um, Middle East wars and like Afghanistan and things right. like that, you know. And, and they've done some retcons, obviously, with a lot of these characters as well. But the conceit in Marvel has always been like, when did this happen? A couple of years ago. And they tr- and they and they purposely go out of the way to not really set anything at a particular time and place at all, so that it doesn't so that like it doesn't necessarily matter. Like these events happened 30, 40 years ago. But it was just, but like you can talk about the events and be like, oh yeah, that was a couple of years ago, you know, first without being specific, without being super specific. And okay, it's, but but I think where where you see, and 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 I'll bring this back to Wonder Woman, but I'll start with with Petey Parker, mm-hmm. um, and that's the 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 Spider Man that was in the Daily Comics, because realize that some of this stuff was in Daily Comics that we would read. It was the only part of the newspaper I'd read when I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you had Dick Tracy, who I assume no longer exists. Um, he, he actually still publishes comics. Really? Yeah. Okay. He was cool. Um, he had he had the first Apple Watch. Um, mm-hmm. So um, you had P.D. Parker, you had Superman, you had various comics that appeared in you know eight frames on eight ten frames on Sunday and four or five frames during the week, mm-hmm. and and told a continuous story. 
one of them being the story of King Arthur. That was very popular at that time too. And um, the P.D. Parker that was in those comics would would not be appealing now. The, but Spidey, Spider-Man now and, and Aunt May being a young woman who's taking care of Spider-Man rather than Spider-Man taking care of Aunt May, mm-hmm. um, all those things are much more understandable and much more relevant to today's time period. It just wouldn't sell any other way. I thought the movie Kazam did a nice job of that. Oh yeah, no, yeah. In, just, the, in the same way, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, in the, it, it, in the it, same way, bringing it bringing it relevant to now because the storyline that was there for then wouldn't necessarily track. Would, for wouldn't today. be relatable. And and so, or and so much as that, the characters wouldn't really exist properly these days either. I mean, like if we look at the more recent Spider-Man stuff here, what they've done um, as far as the Daily Planet planets concerned is that they've kept Spider-Man as a high schooler mm-hmm. for the most part. But they've said that um, the Daily Planet's no longer a newspaper publication. It's actually a um, online. It's a kind of like an online thing now, circa like Alex Jones or the Young Turks or something along right. along that. Right. You know? Well, I think online has killed comic strips that were that were published daily. Oh, very much true. Because yeah. a lot of those are now online, and you don't have to, you know. But I think it's, I don't know how much that you, you binge read them, and it's different. Well, it's different. Well, not only so much you binge read them, but I think that like I wonder like I wonder how much that's actually truly affected um, these comic book writers or these comic writers, you know, for like Garfield and uh, not necessarily Peanuts because that's unfortunately been done since well, but 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 but, Kirk, but Burke Breath Breathed has come back out with Opus. Yeah. What, or what I forget or, exactly or, what that's or, called. Um, or um, Oh, what's the one office guy? It's, it's I want to say it's Drew, but it's not. It's uh. Oh, um, I know who you mean. I can even see him in my head. Yeah, um, I mean, you know who yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah, you know, Doug Bert or something like that. Or yeah, Dig Digbert. Digbert. Yeah. So I mean, like, I'm curious to see for that kind of industry because, like, you would think that all these, all these newspapers had to buy those comics from those guys yeah. at the end of the day yeah. to have something to put in a newspaper, whereas now, I mean, like. Do they still buy those comics at all? It's if, a, it's if, a, it's and if a, they do have it online, I mean, like, do you really need to sell it there or at all to begin with? I think. Yeah. It's, so it's an, so it, it's a, a thing of the world's changed. But to bring this back to Wonder Woman, you know, my my original uh, point was that the Wonder Woman that was Linda Carter, who was very clearly black and white right and wrong and i don't think we see right and wrong black and white anymore no i, I think it, i think we tend to see more it is more nuanced and and lots of gray and lots of, of subjectivity now in right and wrong well i think in a lot of cases that like as adults it, it very much as children we need to know what's right and wrong and we look right. up to our heroes and we look up to the things we look at all the time to say what's right and wrong to give us that sort of thing. But as adults, as we grow up, we rationalize, like, there's no really right and wrong. There's clearly some stuff that is yes and no. I mean, like, you don't, you know, you don't go, you don't drive through a red light, you know, sort of stuff here. But there are some more nuancey sort of stuff here. It's like, well, if I take this route to work, it's the quickest route because it's going to waste the least amount of gas versus if I go this route, I'm actually, it's going to take me a little bit longer, but I'm going to get through the traffic much easier sort of thing like there's some nuance and there's a lot more nuance in the world than we um it's especially as adults 
you know, we expect there to be more nuance in some of the media that we watch. Because, again, I mean, like, when we look at some of the Marvel movies here, there's a, quite a bit of nuance in a lot of these characters where, I mean, like, if we look at um, the original Iron Man, I think is a good example here, like, Tony Stark basically saying, you know, like, we're not going to allow, um, we're not going to have, you know, these weapons anymore, and, you know, Obadiah Stane being like, wait a second, you mean we're going to stop doing the thing that's made us rich? Yeah. Are you crazy? You're going to destroy the company. It's like, no, no, we're going to do something else. No, you, you have to do arm sales. That's what we've, that's what our backbone has been at for the last, you know, Creating his two, own villain. Two decades, you know. Yeah. And then the fact that, you know, that he's he gets to the point where, like, you know, he's trying to create these new mass weapons so that he can continue to do sales and everything. Like, even if we go back to the more recent stuff here, like, Thanos at the end of the day is not wrong in his, in, in his logic at the end of the day. That the world has, that the universe has a finite amount of resources and that there's overpopulation amongst the universe. It's talk, just the, talk to the Mayans. Yeah. Who who did themselves in the same way. But again, I mean, it's just that if we look at his, uh, if we look at the way he goes about everything here, it's like, well, you're not wrong, but you're just going about it the wrong way. Because it's, it's this very easy way to just kind of snap your finger and be like, great, make, you know, make all these new renewable resources that last forever so you could have overpopulation. Versus that if you just wipe out half the population... Well, that population is going to grow at some point again. You're going to have to do that again, you know, you know, a couple, you know. In, Every you know, once in a while, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to know his Arcus. Yeah. Um, so so I, I think it brings forward the point that um, there was a time in which we, we uh, not only would accept, but actually wanted our, um, our villains and our heroes to be very clear cut. Yeah. That's how we saw the world. And, and that dates back to times of the Cold War. Mm -hmm. And I think with the end of the Cold War and the Berlin Wall coming down, it demanded that we recognize both sides. Yes. And and anymore, our, um, our villains tend to be somebody that we can sympathize or understand why they or relate that. yeah or relate to and mm -hmm. and they're given a backstory and they didn't used to be given much of a backstory no. um and they didn't need one and we didn't want one we wanted them very clear-cut and and the same is true of our um superheroes because i think in the first in the first wonder woman movie that came out in 16 in 2006, 2016, 2017. Yeah, so you, you and I and John and, and Pop went and saw it on mm -hmm. Father's Day. Yep. And um, that year. And, uh, you know, she's, she, Wonder Woman is sort of given choices and making choices, and you see what goes in into her mind as she's sort she's of... She's also a little bit more naive as well. I she's mean, very naive. She's very naive and you see her eyes being opened and, and you understand her rather visceral response to mm -hmm. um, what man is. And it is, of sorts, if, if you go back to the beginning of the film, of sorts it ties with, with sort of why all the men have been kicked out of Amazon. Yeah, you can, it makes a lot of sense why, why, yeah. why that ended up yeah. happening. Um, and all, but... Uh, we demand that I, th I think in this in in today's world we demand that we um, understand why. Yes. And 
um, and and we don't we won't accept heroes that are just all evil and all good and, and, like we, and all we, good. We, we expect them to have and in really what I think actually symbolized that was probably more Marvel comics because we can see a lot of our characters have vices at the end of the day or have are not perfect. I mean, like as much as Captain America is meant to be, you know, the perfect human, the perfect human soldier at the end of the day. He's a guy literally out of time in which, like, he a lot of his thought and rationale process is based off of a 1940s, you know, you know, 1940s World War II era sort of logic. At the end of the day, yeah. you know, Tony Stark might be a, you know, my favorite example is really actually the Fantastic Four because when you look at the Fantastic Four, you have Mister Fantastic, which is meant to be this up, you know, this. You know, upstart, you know, sort of, not this upstart, but more of this stern father figure in the mold of like a 1950s sort of uh, sitcom almost. But his superpower is to be the most flexible man of all, which is not what a stern 1950s father figure would be. You have uh, the invisible invisible woman, which is, you know, which the character itself is a very preening sort of like Madonna, Madonna sort of like esque character where she loves to do fashion. And a lot of her, you know, her hairstyle changes literally from comic to comic in okay, some cases. Okay, so so I'm I'm laughing at the moment at, at the at the use of of Madonna, because I understand. My first thought was Madonna. My first thought when I think of Madonna is, is the, the, the Theotokos. No, oh no, it's the Theotokos. Is the Virgin Mary? Oh okay. The Madonna. Oh okay. But then I realized very quickly, and you know, I made the adjustment very quickly. That that Madonna is the reference to the '80s '90s rock star, mm -hmm. um, like a vir like a virgin. Well, a little um, bit, yeah. And 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 totally get the the use as an adjective. It's just interesting that the that the meaning of the word between our generations um, has changed so um, violently. Changed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because because Madonna, the the several times married. Um, Pop sing pop, pop artist pop artist who who I, I I've seen on live on stage and and yeah. uh, has gone through again her own radical transformation literally several, every several times several times yes yes which I which I think is virtuous mm -hmm. um, is is a whole whole lot different than than the Virgin Mary but oh yeah, yeah yeah far more different yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, so therefore I need to stay relevant again to the time that you're in no but this is a good example because again I used a phrase that. What, you know, I'm glad we made the analogy here because, again, I used a phrase in which you thought it was something different, and I'm glad we were able to clarify that. Oh, no, I very quickly realized what you were talking about. So. But 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 you're right. Mm -hmm. We went through, we, and, and some of that, again, is a reflection of, of the time periods we go through when, when little girls were being dressed like Britney Spears. God. You remember that? Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's... It's still quite the fetish amongst uh, in porn for the most part too. Is the, is the naughty school girl? It's literally a costume you can buy every Halloween. Is the naughty school girl? Oh gosh, it's it's on two and a half bin. Um, <sighs> yeah, just saying. Yeah. I remember dropping you off for school your freshman year of high school and seeing this girl walk up in a tool skirt with a, like a cropped top. A see-through tool skirt with a like a crop top, and you could see the sort of bikini bottoms underneath. And and I thought, a she bought that with babysitting money, and her mother doesn't know she owns it. And and b she'll be sent home, um, and and forced to change. Because, but it was very, and she had the pigtails with the ribbons, and it was a very much a Britney Spears look. Oh, I I I, I remember 
back in back in high school where um, the spaghetti strap tops, I guess, were becoming a big deal. Yeah. And you would show, and, you know, and the bra strap would show inevitably because of the oh, fashion. Bra, see, bra strap showing is not a big thing. When I was a girl, you could not let that happen. No, no. And, well, and even in high school, it was it was still kind of a semi-taboo sort of thing. And it's obviously grown to the sense of being like, eh, eh. whatever. Yeah. Sort of thing here now. and But again, I mean, like, obviously, times change. Times change. To bring it back to the entire, um, back to the one moment in the crisis events here, um, just because I want to I want to go through them as super quick yeah. as I can. Um, you then had Infinite Crisis in 2005, again, another 10 years later, um, in which they said, you know what, that multiverse thing, we should bring it back. And they did. It makes sense. It, it really does in a lot yeah. of cases, you know, yeah. like... How do you, you know, like, how do you, you know, because beforehand what they were saying was that, like, you know, oh, like, the Batman animated TV series of the mid-90s, which was very popular. Um, the one with Mark Hamill? The, not not necessarily the one, uh, yeah, the one with Mark Hamill as the Joker and Kevin Conroy as Batman. Yeah. You know, like, again, who would have thought, you know, Mark Hamill, the ultimate baby face in, in Luke Skywalker, ends up becoming the greatest voice of a villain ever. He actually voices a number of things. Oh, he really does. Yeah, no, he he is quite. And, and, and just some applause for the the um, the Grubhub, are the Grubhub or DoorDash? Uh, Uber Eats. Uber Eats. I love those commercials. Oh, I, the, I the wanted best. more. I wanted more. I want yeah. more of those commercials, but I not. But now I want like. I want like if different characters in there. Yeah. Like I, I want. I, but I want it to be just as silly as that. Like the the ones with the, with the guy with. Um, the newer ones with the two with the the gymnast, the gymnast and just the, doesn't work. No, it, it, it just it, it doesn't. We it, don't know who he is well enough. No, the, or, or we don't know who he is enough. But I mean, like, I'm sure there. I, I didn't know who who either one of them really were at a certain point until it got explained to me. But I mean, like, I think it's very easy to see Mark Hamill and Patrick Stewart and be like, oh, everybody knows who that is. You, the everyone knows at least who Mark Hamill is as Skywalker, and everyone at least knows who. Patrick, Patrick Stewart, Stewart is, is either as like Captain Picard or as like you know Professor Xavier or whatever other roles he's been in. You know, like th- those are easy kind of C's at the end of the day. See now, see now, see my 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 next version of that somehow has has Wolverine and the Hulk or um, some sort of of match of um, su- of superheroes from from different like maybe a DC superhero and a Marvel superhero. I think that would be the next step. Oh, I, I would definitely do uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Or or, or or if you really or if you want to be hyper if you want to go hyper crazy on it, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone. This would be this would be really good. Yeah. No. Both both would be iconic. Yeah. And again, you have them kind of dressed. And maybe stuff. that's the deal. It has to be iconic. Well, I don't know that necessarily it has to be iconic, but it has to be relevant, or it has to be something where you can immediately like make the link, connect, connect with the characters, obviously. And then once you connect with the character, once you connect with the actors and the, what they're portraying, is like, oh, I like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I like Stallone. I like you know like these. I like these other things. I mean, like I'm really waiting for the day in which they finally just decide to go animated on this and get you know. And get like SpongeBob versus, um, you know, like Bugs Bunny or something like that. And have them have them deliver uh, Krabby Patties. And Krabby Patties, you know, it's like today I'm having X, Y, and Z Krabby Patties, and I'm having X, Y, and Z carrots, you know, and they have them interacting with each other, a la um, or or Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny, and do it similar to how you did uh, Roger Rabbit. Except we've never we've never seen Mickey Mouse eat. 
That's true. Just say. Okay, so back so, to Wonder Woman. So back to Wonder Woman. So um, Infinite Crisis, we saw back the rewound and basically said, yeah, the multiverse exists again. Um, Final Crisis was a um, was the was the big crossover event where Batman theoretically dies, um, and you got rid of like the big bad guy, which was Dark Side, which is analogistic to uh, analogistic to Thanos. I think at the end of the day, yeah. um, the next one, which is probably going to happen in movies sometime in the next decade, is going to be what they call Flashpoint. So Flashpoint is actually this really cool, um, really cool bit, and they actually made a really good movie out of it too. Where um, the Flash um, is the Flash. One of the way, one of the reasons he became the Flash was that his mother um, was killed by a criminal um, when Barry Allen was like seven, eight years old or so. Not too dissimilar to how um, Batman Batman happened, but Barry Allen still had his dad. Um, and so Barry Allen, who is the Flash, has the ability to go at supersonic speeds. He actually also has the ability, if he runs fast enough, he can actually travel through time. And so he goes back in time and say, decides, you know, well, I really want to see my mom. Oh, I know. Let me go back and save her. I could probably do that now. Well, as a result of saving his mom, um, you ever heard of the phrase, the butterfly effect? Oh, yes. So, I, no, I'm a big believer in this. So the butterfly you change one thing, lots of other things change. Yeah. So the notion of the butterfly effect is that a butterfly flaps its wings, which causes wind, which can change the notion of like weather patterns and all this other stuff. You know, it, it's basically the idea that one that the smallest little detail that changes something that that gets changed could change a pantheon of other things that happen at the end of the day. So my va- my favorite example of the butterfly effect is Back to the Future. Oh yes, that's a very great. It's, the best example of that, really, I think, is especially in, in, um, especially in part two, where like, the simple act of taking a, a magazine back, cha- you know, the uh, almanac of all the sports, literally changes the entire history at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and so there's, you know, so that's a great example of the butterfly effect uh, for people out there. Um, it actually creates a very interesting. Again. If people get a chance to, they should definitely watch the Flashpoint um, animated um, animated direct to DVD movie that came out. It's about an, about an hour and fifteen minutes, and it's perfect because, like, um, as an example here, like Bruce, it's the uh, Wonder Woman and the um, uh, underwater um, Atlanteans with Aquaman. They are literally in a war for the control of the of the world. Um, Cyborg is the world's greatest hero, and um, the Batman mythos story is actually reversed because instead of Bruce Wayne losing um, his father and mother, uh, Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne, um, they actually lose Bruce, um, who gets shot instead. And so Thomas Wayne becomes a very dark, violent, gun-toting version of Batman, and Martha Wayne becomes the Joker. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay. So it's, it's kind of, it's really interesting. Um, in this ver- in this version of a, a can, version can we, of a, can we do an episode on that? I might be able to find some of the stuff on that. I mean, like, it'd be, um, I'll definitely link the the video for this because again, it's it's an interesting kind of take on it. But what ended up happening was is that as a result of uh, Barry Allen going back in time, he at the end of the story he runs back in time and actually stops himself from going back and seeing his mother. And originally, this was meant to all just be a simple self contained story, but 
what ended up happening was is that um, they decided, you know what, actually, that was actually kind of cool. Why don't we just redo everything? And so... Um, see, where the, see, see where that universe takes us. Yeah. yeah. Well, not necessarily that particular universe, but, I mean, they go back in time and they fix it so that everything returns back to normal, but it, everything changes a little bit. And so this is where we got... Um, the uh, new 52 in the early um, in the early 2010s in 2011 2012 the new 52 was meant to be a rebrand a literally publication wide relaunch of every single series starting from number 1 and it was meant to redesign a lot of the mythos and legends of all these different characters so during the course of the new 52 they actually cut out from continuity a bunch of stuff that previously happened in the past so everyone, you know, the New 52 is basically the notion that everyone's kind of only been around for the last five-ish years or so. Um, and so all this kind of, all this stuff that Which kind gets of, rid of the, any idea of aging, too, if you're human, mm -hmm. if you started out as human. Yeah, well, a lot of this, a lot of the aging got rewound. A lot of the characters got either depowered or brought back to kind of their more baser version. This was the example, the New 52, um, where... You had uh, Barbara Gordon, who was the original Batgirl, right? Uh, became Oracle, which was a really kind of interesting thing because she was still this very um, intelligent person and, and basically was leading her own superhero team called the Birds of Prey, um, and was very much a very you know empowering character of women being in technology and being you know intelligence brokers at the end of the day. So she's a STEM gal. Yeah, but she was also in a wheelchair due to the events of being Batgirl. Okay. And so that, even though you were in, and especially for disabled people, that you still have a lot to offer the world, you know, it just may not be athletics. It just may not, may not just necessarily running and jumping up and down buildings yeah. or, or doing anything, but people who had a lot of, you know, a lot of disabled people really were upset with the new 52 because they made Barbara Gordon able to walk again. Oh. And they made her Batgirl again, even though other people had had the chance to be Batgirl at this point. It was kind of interesting to see new people take to do that. So, the new Fifty Two. Okay. Um, then there's also Convergence, which is a really really horrible one um, that everyone says. Basically, the Convergence uh, Crisis event in 2015 was the intention that they were going to say that continuity didn't matter anymore. It was this initiative called DCU where. We don't care about continuity anymore, so long as it's a great and interesting story, that's what we care about. Not realizing that, despite the fact that these are comics primarily aimed at, at, at like you know, tweens and teens, tween, tweens and teens, pre you know, prepubescent teens and teenagers, like We've it's both a large following of, of young adults at this point. Yeah, a majority of the comics I really do think is actually is now realistically aimed at. People who in their in their thirties and forties. I mean, like especially if we go back to like the night in you know the nineties, where like there was a lot of dark and gritty and you know you know hard line Batman. You know, Batman is more dark and violent. Superman dies. Like all this dark storylines. Like was really a was really a um, was really a response to the fact that a lot more adults were reading these comics um, that had grown up with the comics and they were expecting their characters to grow along with them where you know so that's why they got a lot more darker in the 90s well and and i will tell you you know it will i will link this to a couple of things um first off because of technology we have a lot more leisure time oh yes um because as as 
the creator of Wonder Woman pointed out, technology will mean that there isn't as much housework. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not washing clothes by hand. Um, we've got refrigerators. We've got meal services. We've got uh, DoorDash. Um, we literally have a pocket computer, and we have a computer in our pocket that can tell us any known information around the universe and can play Angry Birds at the same time. Exactly. Um, but the other big difference here that has changed, um, I was reading an article about this recently, um, that has changed um, how we, how much leisure time we have is the fact that um, couples are getting married older, mm -hmm. whereas it would be quite typical to marry in your early to mid-20s. Um, now it's quite typical to marry in your early to mid-30s. Um, where you might normally be having children in that era between 24, 25, and 30, um, you're now having children um, in your 30s and early 40s. So you have a great deal more leisure time now in your 20s, um, moving into your 30s, than you would have had even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I look at I look at kids in your dance group, and when they got married, a couple got married right after college, but but many of them just got married in the last couple of years. Yes. And that's not at all unusual. No, I, I I think there's a couple more factors beyond just the leisure time. I think it's also um, the the access to a lot of stuff as well has changed. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you go back to your generation, and I, I don't want to necessarily um, speak for you in this particular yeah. sense, but I think that... Um, you know, home ownership was a real big deal back then, not unlike now. And to be able to have, to be able to buy a home, you you know, you really wanted to, you know, to have that family to be able to do that. So you had to have a wife, and you needed to have a husband and wife and children, and that was a a bigger part of that. I think I think there's a lot of more societal factors as well that I think have played into it a lot of time. I think obviously well, I mean, ease you, of access is really one. Yeah, your generation has a lot more disposable income because you've waited longer to do those things. Oh, absolutely. And and we also have had a lot more easy access to everything um, as well. I mean, like there's, I mean, there's a reason why when a lot of TV shows come out now, like as an example, when The Mandalorian was coming out, it's an eight episode uh, Star Wars series, which is really good. Um, we we need to do do something on that. I yes. haven't seen any of it yet. So. Yes, we will. Okay. Um, but um, the simple fact that it was coming out on a weekly basis versus where a lot of the streaming shows are now coming out like, oh, here's everything all at once, so you can just binge watch it. You okay. know, that was that was really difficult for the some people to do. The whole concept of having time to binge watch, you know, if you have a family, when do you have time to binge watch? True. So the whole concept of binge-watching, which is a new concept, mm -hmm. really has only existed in the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. And, and, and possibly even less than that, um, is as well a product of having free leisure time. Very much so. So just just saying that's part of this. Mm -hmm. um, so the uh, DCU, which came out of the Convergence Crisis event, not very popular because continuity is a big thing amongst uh, comic book nerds. Mm -hmm. um, the most recent one, which is Dark Knight's Metal, um, is kind of meant to be like, what if Batman from Dark Multiverses came and beat the crap out of our regular good multiverse superheroes? Um, it, it, it's famously in the it's it's famous in kind of these weirder depictions of Batman, including you could do that with Superman too. You could. Um, the, the the one that the one that kind of came out the most popular out of this was the 
Batman Who Laughs, which is what happened if Batman and the Joker were the same person. It's a really interesting concept because I have to I have to tell you of of the the um, Civil War to me mm-hmm. was one of the best of that series of the Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, it really is. There's a lot of people that go about saying that um, that the real um, Avengers two should have been Civil War because uh, because of the nature of all the characters in there. It actually, it asks a lot of questions, I, I think, as a philosophical. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was very interesting, in the co- and again, if we go back to the original comics for Civil War, it was this. It was the notion of the Superhero Registration Act, and it was the notion of, you know, do we allow, vigil- you know, do we police vigilantes out there and support them, but they have to give up their identity at the end of the day, or do we let vigilantes still to be vigilantes because their privacy, you know, because having, you know, everybody registered... And, and and nobody having their secret identities anymore actually leads to more leads to more violence and leads to more um, possibilities of them getting hurt. I mean, it, well, it asked. I mean, the the primary question that it asked asked is 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 it really good and evil? Yeah. And and I I found that a very I found that a very compelling. It's like recognizing the light and dark in everything. Mm-hmm. And I I found that a very compelling storyline to me. Oh yeah, and, and a lot of people honestly do again, and in the, and again in the movies, the notion is that you know, like, do you submit to government rule because, or do you stay true to what is your ideals at the end of the day? Because your ideals clearly at the end of the day, maybe was what's best for you, but not necessarily everybody else. Versus, by not having any oversight, you know, like people don't really know or to are capable of trusting you at the end of the day. Um, and this and that goes back to one of my other favorite stories, which is Death Note, and then. And, and I love being able to explain to everybody that, like, the real story of Death Note is about is not necessarily about the chase of Light and, and L at the end of the day, um, or Kira and L, depending on how yeah. you look at it. But really, it's the notion of which kind of justice is better: is it societal justice, which is fair and even, and everybody agrees to that justice, or is vigilante justice better? Because societal justice, you know, everyone's on the same page and everyone agrees with what justice is. But you'll have cases where some people get away with stuff based off our based off our societal justice. Or right. do we allow vigilante justice to happen where one person be, gets to decide who lives and who dies at the end of the day, but it may not necessarily contort with what everyone believes as well at the end of the day. And and a good living example of that are things like um, like the the uh, the murder of Breonna Taylor mm-hmm. um, on a on a warrant search that was where detectives weren't truthful yeah um and woman lost her life but the detectives got fired and that's it and didn't get prosecuted and um and and that's that's to me a real good example of do you have vigilante justice or do you have societal justice societal justice because societal justice will will justify things will justify stuff and will fail you from time to time yeah and and has failed us a number of times recently i think mm-hmm. yeah versus vigilante justice i get why i get why it's failed us i mm-hmm. understand some of the underlying issues and and even in some ways agree with them but um although not in that case but but um uh I, th- I think it brings up the point that sometimes 
revenge is revenge, but justice is justice, and mm-hmm. sometimes vigilante justice is not revenge. Yeah. Again, sometimes vigilante justice, again, is interesting in the sense that, well, you're the only one deciding what's right and what's wrong, but what you're saying was right and wrong may not, you know, yeah. may not contort with what everyone else is thinking at the end of the do, day. So too. do you have a superhero hero court that decides what qualifies for vigilante justice? Oh, no. It's but just all, another uh, place to take it. Yeah, but true, but almost all superheroes are vigilantes at the end of the day. I mean, like, the X-Men are vigilantes at the end of the day, despite the fact that they're trying to stop other mutants from, you know, being, you know, bad guys at the end of the day. Oh, superheroes are all vigilantes. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's the basis of a superhero. So, um, let's talk about the character here. We've talked about a lot of the meta context of what Wonder Woman is. Let's talk about the character, finally. Okay. So, um, now again, depending on who is writing and what version they've revamped Wonder Woman in and whatever... What her origin story what, is. What her original origin story is. Almost ninety, all of them all start in the in the sense that she was born and raised on what they originally call Paradise Island. Later, they've retconned it to being Themyscira, which is this Amazon island where mm-hmm. the Amazons. Um, so the original backplot was that um, Hercules, you know, the demigod, yeah. um, enslaved all these Amazons and treated them very poorly. And when they rebelled a- against him. Um, and broke their broke their chains. Essentially, they went and found Paradise Island, which was gifted to them by the goddess Aphrodite, and they lived there and were able to continue living there um, as semi immortals. At the end of the day, you know, they could still die, but they're but they live at the same age as that they've always been at for the most part. Yeah. Um, they don't it, age beyond twenty twenty five between like their twenties and thirties, maybe yeah. early forties. Yeah. Um, then the reason why they still wear their bracelets was, uh, which is literally Diana, um, Wonder Woman's bracelets are called the bracelets of submission, mm-hmm. um, and was to you know show that we might have chains on us, but you're not, but you're not submitting us at all. Yeah, you know, sort of this empowerment sort of thing. Um, but that's why they continue to wear them for the most part. So everything all starts from there. But again, the origin of how Wonder Woman exists is either as one of which is that she was. Um, is that her mom made her out of clay and she was brought to life by the gods. Mm-hmm. So in, in some in incarnations, Wonder Woman is a golem. So made yeah. of clay, essentially. Yeah. Um, or a humunculus, whoever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, other depictions have her as being a blessing from the gods so her mom got pregnant and as a result gave birth to her. Um, or... She's the daughter of Zeus, and thus a demigod. Interesting theory. Which is kind of the version that uh, was initially portrayed in the ni- in the 2017 version. Um, and I think it's kind of, you know, and, and again, that's going back into more of the Greek mythology sort of aspect of a lot of this here. Again, there wasn't a lot of that Greek mythology in the original version outside of Amazonians, but again, I think when they, when Marston quoted Amazonians here, I think he really was just meaning, meaning like, you know, a tribe of women. Yeah. Not necessarily um, this Greek sort of nature to it at all. Because there was that, that was not that initial elements to the character originally. Um, so it's one of those three different variations on how Wonder Woman exists. And I like I, the idea of a daughter of Zeus. Yeah. I think it I think it works. it works out. I think it works out well, especially with the Greek 
mythology a- aspects of the character. Yeah. Um, almost all the stories all start. All the stories all kind of really kind of kick off when uh, Captain Steve T- uh, Trevor, um, who somehow is able to get onto Paradise Island, he accidentally flies in and accidentally flies in. I, li- I actually liked how they did that in the first movie. No, no, it, it absolutely. I really I do. thought it thought that was well done. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, Again, I like the first woman. First, I like the Wonder Woman movie, the two thousand seven thing. I think it's a good version of the story. At the end of the day, yeah. Um, I think you know having kind of the clay is a little bit odd for us now. It made more sense back in the day, um, where Wonder Woman didn't call her a golem and then never outright say it, but that's kind of what she is. Yeah, she's a homunculus. At the end yeah. of the day, if we want to be hyper specific about it, yeah. Um, but I mean, but it explains more about her power sets and her her yeah. uniqueness there. Yeah. Um. So, what ends up happening here is that she obviously leaves Themyscira, and depending on the version, she might be an ambassador or emissary from from Themyscira, as the Amazons are thinking about rejoining the world again of man once again, or if they are um, at least want to have a visualization of it at least from that particular aspect. Um. Or, um, or in some cases, um, she leaves the mascara and is actually not able to come back at all. So there's some versions where she's, she's been cast out, and not necessarily cast out, but it's like it's it's kind of the notion that once you leave paradise, you can't get back in. Oh, sort of an amnesty. Yeah. Okay. So there's the, and again, so there's that analogy to that, to that too. I mean, again, it was called Paradise Island. Okay. Um. So there's that. So there's been that logic uh, to the character as well. Um, her alias is Diana Prince, um, still known as Diana when she's not in costume. Um, uh, her official title is Diana of Themyscira, when she's not known as Wonder Woman. Um, and really, Wonder Woman is portrayed as being, like, the perfect woman at the end of the day. She's strong and heroic and courageous, but she's also kind, empathetic, um, you know, womanly, you know, like, again, Marston really did create her with the intention of being, like, the best woman of all the women here. Um, and so... Um, and, and, and what's interesting about this, and, and, and this goes back to his personal history that you, that you explained a little while ago, is that, um, you know, he lived in a relationship that, that was polyamorous. Um, was there, uh, well, I guess we don't know, but we assume that there's probably um I'm trying to think of the tactful way to put this yeah. I, i've been giving this face is like okay i'm waiting for this let's see where you go with this <laughs> okay so so um i'm assuming that his wives were bisexual that's i, I have not heard a lot about that but i mean like they did actually when he died like they continued to live together with all their children as well um up until I think Olive died in 1986, and then Elizabeth died in 1993 at 100 years old. Oh, pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, like, good job on her. Another superpower. Um, but no, I mean, they continued to, to live with each other. I would assume probably bisexual at that point. Um, which as well, which, probably. Which, which which would feed the whole concept of having an island full of just women. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And again, I mean, like, it's it's the nature that, like, again, for the most part here, and again, depending on the writer, you know, 
Wonder Woman is meant to be the perfect woman at the end of the day. At, yeah. at the end of the day. So, um, and she's also kind of meant to be the direct mirror to Superman in a lot of cases, too. I mean, yeah, that I've always assumed. Yeah. I mean, it, it was in the intention of the kind of the maker in that particular way. Um, well, and, and if over you tie, time, they've gotten closer to that. So, and if you tie it to to um, to the television series, the television series came out at the same time that the Superman movies with Christopher Reeves mm-hmm. were hot. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't, me, didn't think about time. that before then, but th- that would make a lot of sense, actually. I mean, well, okay. So let me let me look at the timing because I had I have something else open and I want to you know, keep open and, and show you. Um, I wanted, yeah, so Christopher Reeves, I think, would have been nineteen seventy four and nineteen seventy eight. I want to say. So so, um, here here we go. Just a second. Superman. I always assumed that there was a there was sort of there were there were counterpoints, um, specifically because of that timing. Um, so. Um, the original Superman movies, Christopher Reeve ones. Oh no, none, none of those matter. Nineteen seventy-eight. Okay, so oh well, okay. So when when was the series seventy-five to seventy-four? Seventy-four to seventy-nine. Seventy-four for three seasons up until just ending at seventy-eight. So you can almost think that you know Linda Carter's Wonder Woman actually brought about the notion that like oh let's let's put Superman the film maybe that maybe that'll work because again the last time they tried that was actually with George Reeves in. 1951 and so it had been a good 25 years since they tried to put superman on the screen but superman's also had a fairly um uh well-known sort of or prolific sort of uh media career as well too i mean like he's been in a he's been in a lot of stuff um and actually what's even which um what's actually kind of interesting as well is that when the linda carter um series ended or actually probably i think midway through um was when they came out with the Super Friends, oh, that, which yeah. lasted for like a good yeah. decade as well. It started, I think, in 1975 and ended in 1986. And that's the cartoon series. That was the cartoon series at the time, too, yeah. Um, some things you should know about Wonder Woman is that she's a part of what they call the Holy Trinity of DC Comics. It's Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Um, if you think about it from, depending on the history source... Um, Wonder Woman is actually the first person to join the uh, Justice League. Mm-hmm. Batman and Superman wouldn't join until year wouldn't join until years later. Uh, Wonder Woman was the initially the the secretary. Of I know, course. right? Yeah, well, hey. yeah. So glass ceiling is hard to break. I know. Yeah, I, I, I read that. It was the yeah that makes sense. Well, and it's interesting because. Um, you know, when you think about the this the series, the Linda mm-hmm. Carter Center series, which comes out what seventy four, seventy five, seventy four. Okay, so in um, in nineteen seventy three, mm-hmm. I was title nine just passed, mm-hmm. and I was the only girl on the the boys water polo team, which was a, an interesting experience, both both good and bad, because people accosted my mother in the grocery store i've actually so i've been reading a japanese manga on water polo which has been a lot more enlightening it's a vicious sport it's it's known as the underwater it's underwater martial arts yes 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 there's lots of things going on and you double you you double your swimsuits because they'll get ripped Mm mm-hmm um, ripped, torn, pulled off. Intentionally. And... Oh, yeah, all those things. Um, and no, no, it's a vicious little sport. Um, although it wasn't for me because they were all afraid of hurting me. But um, 
but uh, understand that during that time, the um, the constitutional amendment for for women's rights was circulating. Um, it went went through several iterations before it finally passed. Um, Title IX had just passed, um, giving giving uh, women equal rights to any number of things, but including um, sports. Um, and it was a it was a, a time um, when women's rights were were really coming to a fore. You had women like Gloria Steinem, um, and now and um, these different movements. The mm -hmm. now being the National Organization for Women, which was a big thing um, yeah, yeah. in the 70s, and all of those things kind of, kind of, um, were part of the engenderment, I think, of that series and its popularity. It was very popular at the time. Oh no, I, and I, I still think it is to this day very popular. I don't. Um, you still see lots of memes out there occasionally with Wonder Woman, and it's. Um, and again, this will go back to when we talk about um, in media here, Wonder Woman, um, it, because again, this will be a part where I have to lean on you a little bit for for its context. Um, uh, but she's so she's the Holy Trinity. Also, kind of interesting as well. Depending on who is writing her, she's either Wonder Woman is either um, a lesbian, bisexual, or has been in a relationship with Superman for a long period of time. You know, I don't like that storyline because I think it robs both of them of some agency at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, because, like, you always think of Superman and Lois Lane. Yep. Um, it, or rather, so much as I always think that, like, you know, it's you know, Wonder Woman's the perfect woman. You would really think that it would go kind of interesting if she was with a very imperfect man at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, or a man who was trying to be as good as possible but was somewhat failing in certain aspects but she could see the goodness in him yeah then that would have been like captain trevor here at the end of the day yeah um her superpowers um again which have changed slightly over time um have included super strength super doability super speed agility super agility reflexes um a healing factor which again is the notion that like you heal over time yeah uh, a lot quicker than more no normal people would yeah. Um, and after the events of post, uh, after the events of Crisis on Infinite Earths, she could fly. Because you think of Wonder Woman primarily as having the invisible jet. You do. So, um, some of her, but outside of those superpowers, she's a master technician, a master combat, master in combat, uh, multilingual, an expert pilot. And very wise again, obviously because she's been living for for years, yeah, for centuries even. Yeah. When um, we get down to kind of some of her equipment here again, um, most famously I think is going to be um, her bracelets of submission. Yeah. These are originally created out of the uh, legendary Aegis Shield of Zeus um, and embower her with the ability to uh, deflect bullets, projectiles, some energy blasts, uh, things like that. Um, You've got the Lasso of Truth, which we've already mentioned before. Yeah. It's a rope that basically um, is actually not just beyond the fact that it makes people or it compels people to tell the truth uh, so much as that it's strong enough to actually bind uh, people stronger than Superman. It's bound Superman, Shazam, or Captain Marvel, um, and numerous other characters. So it's actually able to like stop, bind them, and stop them. Like if they, if, if you wrap the rope around Superman, Superman can't break it. 
mostly because it's also some somewhat magical, so yeah, magical stuff. Superman has a harder time dealing with magical stuff versus non-magical stuff. Um, so there's that notion there. But, okay. I mean, Shazam is primarily a magical, and he can't break it either, so, like... Yeah, there you go. Um, but also, the lasso has also been um, capable of showing um, healing elements and anti-magic properties. So the notion that, like, if you were to uh, wrap somebody around in it, it might cure them of some illnesses or some magical ailments, I guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, she has her golden tiara, which has been... Um, Dubbed kind of like a boomerang, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- it, I think that's from the Linda Carter yeah. primarily. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, realize, realize in the time that that was filmed, you didn't have CGI. No. So you had, you know, blue screen, green screen, and that's how that was done. Oh, yeah. Um, you have um, in you have the Invisible Jet. Um, now, originally, the Invisible Jet actually was a gift from the Amazonians. Right. It was meant to be a Pegasus. Oh, so, but that they makes had, sense. But they had to hide it as the invisible jet to hide a Pegasus. Why? And origin in variations of the jet have either been just like a, a a propeller plane or a straight airplane to a jet. I was always glad that she couldn't fly like Superman. No, yeah, I, I thought it. I thought it added some uniqueness to the character. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously, since the New Fifty Two continuity, um, she is carried around with her a sword, sword and shield. Um, both of Amazonian quality. They're made from the similar, uh, similarly of the same um, ages that from Zeus here, so they're yeah. near indestructible for her. Yeah. Um, and then we have the costume, which goes back to that picture that I had that mm-hmm. has that shows the various Wonder Wonder Woman's and various. Um, starts out with this sort of a gathered, um, what would have been a, a kind of gathered a, skirt, I guess. Maybe well, would have or, been a skating skirt in the thirties. Okay. If you looked up Sonia Henney, it would have been a Sonia Henney style skating skirt. And Sonia Henney being very popular at the time. Let's just see if I can. I found it yesterday. I found a good good version of it here yesterday. Okay, so I'm seeing the same one that you showed me originally. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's depicting Wonder Woman in various degrees of... Uh, Brief skirts, um, they get higher and higher over time. Yeah. Um, so what's interesting about the Wonder Woman here is that originally there was an eagle that was presented on the chest. Mm-hmm. And eventually, in and actually what ended up happening is in the 1980, mid-1980s, they when they redesigned the uh, Wonder Woman logo, which was kind of like the W's on top of one another. Right. They added that to the costume, so that's kind of on where it's like, I guess, like the cups at the top of the cups of the breast yeah. of where the breasts yeah. would go i guess yeah. I, I don't know the best way to describe that um that's a tactful way yeah i've tried trying to find it um at certain points she wore sandals instead of boots oh because i kind of like the they're kind of kind of hip looking uh you know sometimes they cover the kneecap sometimes you know sometimes they go up to the kneecap sometimes they're just right under the knee sometimes they're like um gauntlet boots maybe yeah. perhaps um, um, so originally they were like strappy sort of sandals. They were supposed to be the sandals of Hermes at one point. Yeah. See, see, that I would totally get because because there was a, a thing. Yeah, you know, I had a pair. Um, in in would have been would have been nineteen seventy one, of uh of sandals. They were a, a bitch to keep on that laced up up my calves. Um, 
it, that was a hot that was a hot 70s thing I, I will have to take your I will have to take your word for it I, you know I had really really happening clothes in the 70s oh there we go oh my gosh yeah so this is one art so I will include this picture this is one artist take on various ages of the Wonder Woman costume. although it doesn't show the skirt and the skirt clearly was was part of the original yeah but in here you can see yeah. kind of where it's the very kind hot of hot pants hot pants and then we're getting closer and closer to briefs and and then, and then we end up with with full on, uh, sort of as you said, Playboy Buddy sort of uh, high cut stuff. High cut stuff, yeah. Which again, when trying to research this, is like, how do I best describe that? Oh, it literally has it right here. It says what it is. So I mean, like, yeah. yeah. Um, the new Fifty Two actually, when that came out, um, introduced her with pants. Um, let me see if I can find a good version of that because there's not really a good version of that. Um, yeah, I suppose it's about as good as I'll find here. And again, I'll, I will, uh, maybe not that one here, but again, it introduced her with pants and kind of a leather jacket sort of, I, and, and I, sort saw, of and I saw one, one I saw one with, with sort of like, um, what I would think of as, as, uh, athletic sort of yoga pants. Kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, like. Leggings. I guess leggings may be kind of the, the best way to describe with, it with here. Star, with a, with a, a, you know, a stripe of stars down the side. Sometimes they have that. Sometimes they don't. Um, all right, here we go. Let's go with this one here. But a very athletic sort of um, more modern look. They've yet to put her in a sports bra. Um... You know that's true, but again, I don't think they've ever really um, just. Uh, I don't think they've really ever shown her with um, straps on her shoulders either. I'm just here to say, you know. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Wow, that's a pretty sexualized version. Yeah. Um, it is pants though. It, it's um, pants, yes. It's um, and, and again, this was uh, redesigned by a very popular um, artist called Jim Lee. He he did Spider Man for a number of years. Well, I mean, what's what's interesting is is uh, you know none of the people drawing her have, have ever had breasts and had to go take a run. Very true. Just saying, because that that's not a comfortable thing. This is a a slightly later redesign for all the characters. Again, back to the original yeah. kind of um, element there. I'm just saying, there's a reason why sports bras exist. True, I I, I won't doubt that. Yeah. Um, the new Fifty Two has also got away with a lot of people wearing underwear, which used to be. Um, uh, a way you because again, it, so the reason why Batman and Superman wore underwear on the outside of the thing was that they were meant to mimic circus performers yeah. and trapeze artists, which wore, which right. were kind of like you know Daredevil sort of people that wore, that were they were kind of the basis for these characters. Yeah. So I mean, I have a hard time sometimes looking at Superman and th seeing him without uh, the red the red you know. Yeah. Underwear on on the outside sometimes. Yeah, it looks a little weird sometimes. I suppose. Well, because that's that's our norm for. For Superman, yeah. Yeah. Um, Batman, same thing. True. True. Batman less less noticeable because he's. It's a it's all black, black so it's kind black. of more understandable if it's not yeah. there. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman has kind of an interesting collection of villains. Like I said before, a lot of her villains are smart. Um, as an example here, or, uh, her villains fall into two. Smart different as opposed to clever. Because because I, I've always been impressed that that Batman's supervillains seem very clever. They're, they can be they can be clever. Um, 
But what, and there's a, and there's a difference between the two. There there is. Wonder Woman's though tended to be academical in nature initially. Okay. Well, uh, she or ha- is, or isn't had, she or, a professor though? I mean, she she is she is hidden herself as a professor. She's at an academic, times. so it would make sense. Mm-hmm. And again, Marston being you know primarily around academics as well would think that would be ideal villains in some yeah. cases. Um, so again, they either fall underneath uh, academics or scholarly individuals at certain points. A lot of them are doctors. Um, mm-hmm. or um, cre- uh, characters from either Greek mythology or um, or god or Greek gods in some cases. So, um, which, which which makes sense with the tie-in as well for her char- for a character at this point. Yeah. yeah. So as an example here, um, there's a character named Gigatana or Gigata. I or Gig- I don't know. Or okay. I don't know how quite to say it here. Yeah. Um, she can change the shape, uh, shape and size of herself, so she can grow the to shape like shifter. Uh, well, not a shape shifter, but she can grow to. She can increase her size. Okay. So she can be like as tall as like skyscrapers and stuff like that, but still retain. So not her. like Hulk. Not like the Hulk, no. Or like, but like she can grow to be like ten feet tall, um, and strong as a ten foot tall person, but still just as smart and as intelligent. Okay. You know, and and very curvaceous as well. A lot of all these villains are all very curvaceous women. Um, you have uh, Cheetah, which is what we'll see, I think, in 1984. Okay. Um, originally, it was a woman who dressed as a cheetah to fight Wonder Woman. Modern version of it, though, it has um, this plant god, which I'm not even going to attempt to butcher the, 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 the pronunciation of the okay. name, um, that gives uh, cheetah-like characteristics and powers um, to Cheetah, which gives her increased reflexes, strength, um uh, Makes her somewhat parallel to uh, Wonder Woman, but with a tail and in full, like, not looks like, you know, like, actually, like, looking like a cheetah. Well, I, you'll see it in 1984. Okay. Um, you have Dr. Psycho, who is famously based off of another college, another professor that Marston worked with when he was at Harvard, um, who was very much the antithesis of what um, he was, because he was actually very opposed to... Um, this college professor was opposed to women's suffrage and feminism. Okay. Um, so as a result, Dr. Seiko is kind of... Um, uh, you could see him being played by uh, Peter Dinklage. I like Peter Dinklage. I, yeah, I know. He would make a good Dr. Seiko, though. Okay. So he's, it's, it's a short, diminutive sort of person with a lot of ego, and his power is controlling minds. Um, you have Dr. Poison, who we saw in... in um, the 2017 version of Cap- of Wonder Woman here. Um, primarily, you know, or a lot of her stuff is actually she created a poison to control minds, um, but then, well, she could also have other poisons that did other effects as well. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of got, like, the Greek pantheon of gods. You have Ares, who's the god of war, um, versus Wonder Woman, who's kind of the idealist, the idealist of peace and not having war. Yeah. Um, for a point... Wonder Woman becomes the god of war, which is which well, is an interesting storyline. Yeah, and and in in Roman Diana is the god of war. Yeah, which yeah. makes it even more interesting. Yeah. There's been versions of the story which have also said that um, Diana is um, the daughter of Ares, mm-hmm. which is I think the 2017's version of the story. Um, you have what is a character called the Firstborn. It's a do- it's a uh, the son of uh, Hera and Zeus, who is apparently destined to sit on the throne after he's destroyed all the after he's killed all the other Greek gods, 
um, and obviously Wonder Woman aims to stop him. Um, you have Cersei, who is the who's a sorceress, uh, not unlike um, the Odyssey. Right. And then you have Medusa. You know. Uh, so so we're really we're really mytho- myth- mm-hmm. mythology based. Yeah, there's been minotaurs and other things like that have been like mooks at a certain point. Um, and then we get into um, you know some of the various incarnations here again. Um, did you know? Did you know that there was a pilot version of Wonder Woman that came out in the early '70s before the Linda Carter version? Is this the one with pants? She's got pants. She's a secretary to Captain Trevor. She has no superpower. She's basic, and she was blonde. And she was blonde. It was a. It was a. It was. I a remember t- hearing about this. It, it was a TV movie with the intention of going into actually um, as an actual TV series. It did not work, and that's where they had to scrap it and redo it and then eventually they were able to do the Linda Carter version of Wonder Woman which we all know from 1980 uh, from 1974 1975 lasted for three seasons um and so that's only three seasons it seemed to me like it was all longer than that only three seasons apparently really I'm 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 checking that because it seemed to me like it was all longer that was the that was what I had read well no you're, you're undoubtedly right Um, from there, you've had um, she's been a lot more prevalent in the animated realm um, because she's it's so well known. Wow! Final episode, nineteen. Yeah. Well, okay. So seventy-nine, I guess. So maybe so four, just like four, four years, seasons. four seasons. Yeah, I guess, four seasons. Maybe. Okay. okay. So four seasons. Um, Superman 60, follows that, comes after it. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. Superman must have been inspired by her rather than the other way around. Yes. Okay. Um, about 60-some-odd episodes. Okay. Um, but again, Wonder Woman's obviously been a lot more prevalent in animated stuff here, I think, more frequently. Um, again, obviously, she was a major founding part of the Justice of the Super Friends, mm-hmm. uh, which was, I believe, started in uh, the mid-'70s and went to the mid-'80s. Um, when the you DC... guys used to watch Super Friends. Oh God, I can't remember. Yo, vaguely, it's part, part of the Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. Back when they had Saturday morning cartoons, what do children do now on Saturday mornings? I don't know. It's so weird. I don't. Uh... Go 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 play soccer. I remember again. It was like you would watch cartoons before you went to school. When you came back from school, you did your homework, and then you watched more cartoons. And then on Saturdays, Darkwing Duck. You, oh God, I love Darkwing Duck so much. Actually. Um, so speaking of a speaking of odd tangents, one of my favorite Saturday morning cartoons was always going to be Ducktales. I've loved, yeah. I love Ducktales. Scrooge Duck is one of my favorite characters. I have this really cool little stat, little little statuette that you got me for Christmas one year. It's yeah. one of my favorite things I well because I love Scrooge McDuck. Um, they're doing they're doing a re, they're they're done a re, a new version of dark of of Ducktales, and one of which is that they've said that Dark Webigail. I like that they had they Webigale. They have Webigale. Webigale is a lot more, uh, a lot more vicious in this new version. Actually, oh, okay. she's actually pretty interesting. Um, and what they've done for that one here is that they've reimagined Darkwing Duck as a TV series in the Duck World, in the Duck, uh, in the Ducktales universe. Oh. Um, still played by Jim Cummings, who's the same guy who plays Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> okay. So, um, the same guy who did the mod- who's done the modern version of Winnie the Pooh, also plays Darkwing Duck, and they've. Uh, since canonized it as a new Darkwing Duck is out there, 
based off a TV series that now just became real real life sort of thing. It's really interesting, and I've been watching this new DuckTales series. It's really good. I recommend anybody to go watch it if they have the option to. Um, so definitely go watch that if you can. Um, but Wonder Woman has also been a mainstay of the animated um, Justice League universe, which kind of, I think, really started with the 1983 Batman um, that came out in the mid-'90s, and then, you also, and then they eventually revamped it to Batman and Superman, which kind of did a redesign to bring them all in line together of this 19 kind of 50s aesthetic. Oh. Um, and then eventually they just aged them up and created the Justice League, of which you have, again, obviously Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, the Martian Manhunter, Hawkgirl, The Flash, and a Green Lan- and Green Lantern. Um, as this like whole as this, as this animated version of this holy uh, this top seven people that are like the main Justice League people. Yeah. Um, and eventually they've kind of like grown it over the course of I think it was 1999 until about uh, 2006, in which they had the Justice League uh, cartoons running for. Um, and then she's obviously lived very famously in a lot of. Uh, so what DC's really done a really great job of is they've had these direct-to-video um, movies that they've released. Those go direct-to-DVD um, that usually tells kind of a storyline uh, of the characters at the end of the day, uh, of these of these major story plots here. So, like, you have um, Flashpoint, which, again, was one of those ones that I mentioned before. That's one of those direct-to-DVD movies that they have. They did, they've done a number of the Batman stories, like uh, The Red Hood is a, is a really good I've one. The Red Hood I've seen. Yeah. How did I see that? It, probably when we were doing Batman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of them out there. And so Diana, uh, in kind of her new... It, a lot of it's all based on the new 52 in a lot of cases. Um, so they have Diana there as well um, in, in a couple of them. And she doesn't necessarily have one that's solely on her own just yet, but she's been a player in a lot of other uh, stories that have happened in, the, in those movies. Um, she's very, very prominent there. Um and then obviously we have the Phil version here with Gal Gadot, where she first was seen in Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, which is still just a who who came up with that name? Ah. And then you obviously have Wonder Woman, and then and then you have the most recent version of Wonder Woman 1984, which just finally decided to come out. It was being um, postponed due to to the COVID, COVID pandemic, yeah. unfortunately. Um, my understanding, actually, is of this movie is that it was originally supposed to come out in nineteen in twenty nineteen, actually, but it got delayed because it was going to go because they wanted to put it up against, um, uh, uh, God, the the Marvel movie, um, Black Widow. They wanted to put okay. it up against Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson. And That's so, an interesting pairing because. I was thinking I I will watch rewatch um, Captain Marvel mm-hmm. after watching uh, 1984 so I could compare the two women superheroes. Yes, and 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 again when you think about it, the Wonder Woman one came out in 2017 versus the um, you know Wonder uh, Captain America Captain, yeah. Captain Marvel didn't come out for at least another year and a half or two years after that in in yeah. early. Uh, 2019. Yeah. So I mean, like, I, I thought I thought the timing was interesting. And they beat they beat Marvel to the punch at the end of the day. But but yeah. I'm also kind of I'm very I'm much more appreciative of it because I think Wonder Woman has that longer continuity in that particular respect. Yeah. 
But I mean, like, if we talk about just the movies itself, like, they should have come out with a Black Widow movie much, much earlier. But, you know, like... I have not seen Black Widow. It hasn't come out yet. Oh, okay, that's why I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, so it, okay. it, it hasn't come out. I, I'm just curious to see the different depictions. Mm-hmm. Because because in, in Wonder Woman 1917, she is. She's very gullible and very naive and very much... In 2017. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but she's very kind of gullible, naive, innocent looking to what the rest of the world is. There's a very... Famous unaware of, of evil, she's just discovering evil. Yeah, she, she's really not understanding it at all. Yeah, she doesn't um, understand how man could do this to man, and um, and I'm I'm curious to 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 um, compare that to um, Captain Marvel, who seems very street smart. Yeah, and and again, what I find very interesting about Captain Marvel is that, like, again, if we go back to her own timeline, I mean, like, she was a very a feminine, submissive sort of character when she was first introduced as, as Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. and then clearly over time, um, especially going into the tw- into the uh, early 2010s here, as just being like Captain Marvel as being this um, much more empowered kind of individual, where like a lot of the future stories, I think in the um, so okay, so okay, I'm gonna pause real quickly in the sense that I got it. Um, so my mom is knitting because she's really good at knitting, but like this little black ball kind of scurried across the ground and scared the <laughs> like, shit like out of me. <laughs> Look, yes. like what the has, hell? Has a life of its own. So apologies there for just kind of startling <laughs> and having a dog going off on a tangent. That was, um, yep. But no, so like Mar- um Captain Marvel again. I mean, like, is at this point now, or like, if you replaced it with a guy, would it really be different? And and not a whole lot. Yeah. So this goes back to, back to when you when you make women into superheroes, what feminine qualities do they lose? Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, um, really in the movie, has no real love interest. No. I I I, I no real love interest. But I would even go further to say that, you know, like, there's not really a whole lot of femininity to the character. Other than her form. Other other than her form and maybe a little bit of her personality at the end of the day as being kind of this, like, little fiery, hothead sort of kind of individual. Yeah. Um, Very sparky. Sparky. But, 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 I, and but again, her, her costume... Her superhero costume is there's nothing. There's nothing feminine in regards about, to it yeah. outside. Now it's keep, very, it's very, it's very actually. Actually, I find it very androgynous. Yeah, uh, it's it's not until slightly later incarnations, and I think this is a little bit seen in the um, Marvel Endgame where she has a sash across her waist now. Yeah. Which is yeah. kind of the most feminine, I think, element but of it. But she features so little in there. She features so little, and she's got this kind of she very... She comes in so late. And yeah, and she's got this very kind of pixie sort of haircut. And even when yeah. they're... Even in the moment when, like, they're all kind of mourning the loss of Tony Stark, like, and they pan through everybody of all these yeah. people in, like, a, at a funeral, like, she's still in kind of just, like, a black suit, very masculine at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, which I find to be a little... Which I find to be like somewhat empowering for that particular character, but I mean, like, is it really a in, woman in, at the end of the day if it's got all those same trappings of a male? And then that's where I think where Wonder Woman is different, where Wonder Woman is very much a lot of the trappings of a lot of femininity into her, 
where like I don't think you could replace Wonder Woman with a guy with as a guy at the end of the day. I think it would be well. I think, I think the number one thing about about Wonder Woman is she's hesitant to use her force. Yes, and she's in in. So I'm curious to see if they keep that. Um, as sort of her standard, she's hesitant to use her force. She's only using it because she needs to save the world. Mm-hmm. So she is very much sort of a mother nature sort of figure. A very yeah, and it, but that comes a lot back with femininity. This notion of nurturing, empathy, kindness, and compassion. Right. All qualities in which you would ask for of a uh, of a woman at the end of the day, or what you would expect of one at the end of the day, at least from societal standpoints, I believe. Yeah. So I was just thinking I would watch the two mm-hmm. with the idea of, of sort of contrasting them. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an interesting contrast, I really do think, at the end of the day. I think that when we look at um, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, and when that movie comes out, um, I'm very interested to see where it comes from because there's a lot more... Um, female super spy sort of characters in that particular film from what I've seen in the trailers and what I've heard um, about it. And so I think it will be kind of more interesting to see that movie um, at the very end of it all, just because I think it'll be um, interesting. I, to see I mean, the that's dynamics. an interesting character too. Mm-hmm. Again, the, again, the reason she's called black widow is because when her original version of the character was a spy that was a very kind of femme fatale sort of individual yeah. and killed people through seduction. And eventually she transitioned to being, um, you know... A good guy. A good guy and kind of a more of a uh, ninja-esque spy, I think is the best way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, because I don't, see, I don't see her character in its current um, formation as being a femme fatale. Oh, I see her. I, I see. I see her kind of in a femme fatale sort of element. I mean, I think especially. Um, I, I think especially in a couple of the, the the various movies, but I've always kind of, it's always been kind of a sub element of her, where it's more yeah. or less of kind of like this secret ops sort of individual, which I think is kind yeah. of the correct way to kind of move her into. Um, I don't think she's really been a femme fatale since Iron Man Two, which is where she what would have been the kind of the femme fatale. Sort of element and nature to her, I think. Okay. So fair enough. So there's that. Um, so this is Wonder Woman. I don't know if you want to talk about the cultural significance of Wonder Woman today, because I think we've been going for almost uh, two hours now. Oh, have we? Okay. I'll ju- I will just say the the cultural significance of her in the ERA time period, which is the the um, the the constitutional amendment mm-hmm. that gave women equal rights. Um, it, that in, she was very much in that context in the time that the Linda Carter version came out. Okay. So just to just to give it some 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 color from that end, now I think she's the embodiment of of um, sort of the movement to to recognize that female qualities are equal. Because because I, I would have I would have thought that initially like she was in the same vein of kind of like Rosie the Riveter. Um, in kind of the by the oh, time of like the 60s and 70s, I would have said, yeah, um, where she's very much this like women can do this too sort of element, mm-hmm. and now obviously I think that there's a push to say that, you know, that she's just as good as the boys, but she's got more to it because she has these other feminine uh, characteristics and qualities to her. Yeah. Um, now, admittingly, I haven't read a lot of the Wonder Woman comics because I'm not the most adept comic book guy at the end of the day. Um, 
I know about it mostly from knowing about it. Um, when you read, when you're a nerd, you kind of know stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I sit at my she's computer. She's not your, not your choice for, because she was, I, I'm, I, I don't I'm, think de- she, I'm delighted not, that she was created for. For women. For women. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like that would be the initial very, intent. Yeah. Because I always viewed her as, as being so sexualized. So, but, but the idea that she would have been created in as the perfect woman's form, um, makes sense. Because given I know, that time period, and I think there's a lot of people that really did think that she was just like, "Oh, we really should market to girls, so let's make a girl Superman." It's a very forward thinking, actually. And that's what they did with with Supergirl at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, like it literally was like, "Well, let's get the women demographic. Let's make a girl. Let's make a a, a girl Superman at the end of the yeah. day." And that had some mixed results, kind of layered in there throughout the years. I mean. Yeah. There's been incarnations of um, Supergirl, which has been Power Girl. Ooh. Um, huh. Imagine, uh, imagine Supergirl, but she wears kind of a um, an all-white leotard that's high-cut uh, briefs, but has a big circle where her where like a superhero symbol would be. Yeah. To kind of show off that she's a woman, and that you know, like. She literally uses it as a distraction for bad guys that are staring at her breasts. So she's so also it's a cle- very a cleavage window. Oh yeah, very much a cleavage window. Um, let's see if I can pull one up here real quickly. She's also um, uh, very militant as well, militant feminism. Uh, but I don't view Wonder Woman as being a, a militant feminist. I don't either. I, I think Cap- Captain Marvel is more of a militant fe- feminist. I would think. Yeah, I would. I would. Um, I would say I would I would agree to that as well. Absolutely. Um, I guess this is. Uh, I'm I'm trying to find I'm trying to find the the best picture I can. Um, without being like too crazy here, and so that would be uh, Power Girl. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So again, that is, that is a cleavage window. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there. I mean, there are dresses made now with cleavage windows, cocktail dresses, and things. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I, I think it's, I think that's um, not against that. <laughs> but I mean, of like, course you are not. I, of course I'm not. But I mean, like, it's it's. Um, yeah. No, it's a look. It's a look. It's a it's a bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think next week I really want to. Next week I definitely want to talk about. Wonder Woman 1984, but then I also kind of want to talk about um, kind of the cultural significance about her because um, I really don't um, have a good way of really having a good, uh, you know, connection to this at the end of the day. Um, mostly because, again, it's a character that's not... Meant not empowering for, to you. Not empowering to me and not meant for me at the end of the yeah. day. But it's in... But it's clearly, it, but it's a very much a character that, at the end of the day, is very empowering to women. At the end of the day, and I imagine oh, that. Oh, I, I bought I bought Wonder Woman costumes for uh, my granddaughter's American Girl dolls. Yeah. And for them, for and for my granddaughters, mm-hmm. and and the and I've seen them, like the four of them, the two girls and the two dolls, all dressed up as Wonder Woman, flying around a room. Yeah. So so um, I I I get that that's. That's its intent, and and it, it has accomplished that in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and again, it, this cultural. I mean, 
again, I think it's a much larger conversation that would be much more interesting and educational for me, even at the end of the day, to hear yeah. from women to hear from women what Wonder Woman means to them. And I think what we'll do is we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Because once we get through 1984, I think we'll have uh, quite a bit to say on that, too. Oh, good. So oh, I have yeah. something to look forward to. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, did you did you like it? We'll talk about that next week. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. I'm not gonna okay. I'm not gonna bias anybody. Bias me. Okay. No. no. All so, right. Um, but so we're gonna put all the show notes and all the pictures that we showed here as well between me and my mom. Me and mom. Those all are gonna be available on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com. Um, we Including all- a link to a shawl that you can knit. That is the Wonder Woman W double W's. Yes, it will. There's we, a there's a knitting pattern out there, very popular. That. We, it, that is the shawl. We will absolutely include that as well. Um, and then at the same time here, we also continue the conversation as well at our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash nerd tutorial podcast, all is one word. And then if you have any ideas, comments, or other things that we're, uh, previous topics that we're following, we also follow those on our Twitter at nerd underscore tutorial. And so if you want to see the latest bits on Pokemon or, you know, I'm sure we'll have lots of new discussion and topics on Wonder Woman 1984 when we start following that as well on our Twitter book, on our Twitter page. So you'll definitely be able to see that there. Um, and so, again, our homework here for this week is going to be 1984's Wonder Woman. Um, definitely a good one here. And again, I'm also going to link Flashpoint as well. You don't, it's not homework necessarily, but I think it's a really kind of interesting look at the DC Universe from a butterfly perspe- from butterfly effect perspective here. Um I'm interested in this. It's it's, it's very good. It's, I, hi, yeah. I I highly recommend it here. Um, but from on behalf of myself and my mom, we hope you guys stay safe out there in these weird times. And we'll see you guys again next time. Bye. Bye.